Hi there, welcome to, or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. Uh, my name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me for this episode, um, which I'm not really sure what it's about just yet. I have come to the end of the week. It's now Saturday night, and I was determined this year that I was going to um, broadcast at least one podcast a week. So I'm determined to get this one out, albeit maybe 24 hours or so late. Reason being, it's um, been a really, really busy, productive and fruitful week. Um, in fact, the last two weeks have been brilliant and next week's looking just as good. Um, so it's uh, kind of good to be in the slipstream of busyness. A um, couple of things happened this week that I'd like to share. And one of them... It was the first for me, it was, uh, I attended an, an event at Crow Park where I was actually speaking and that's the first for me getting a 20 minute run out of Crow Park now is something that I can, I can boast about in the future. But it was a um, really, really brilliant uh, event, it was really well organised, it's uh, from a, a client that I've recently started working with who was kicking off the year. Um, with a state of the nation about about his business, bringing some salespeople, wholesalers, distributors, <clears throat> end users to Crow Park, and sitting them down for maybe I don't know two hours, two and a half hours, giving them a bowl of soup, some coffee and tea, a display of the technology that they're bringing into the market, and a determination to give these guys who have taken time out of their day some value. Um, there were two speakers outside of their own um, sales execs and technical support people. Uh, I was one and there was another guy who runs uh, a digital accounting business, a really nice fella from Derry and called Kieran. Anyway, we were speaking at the, this event and um, got a 20 minute slot. Um, but what, what I really noticed at the end of the day was how successful a formula that is to engage and reach into existing customer relationships in a really meaningful way. There are a lot of businesses who kind of wait for the end of the year and inundate their customers with hampers and calendars and all sorts of stuff and bottles of wine and all that. And I think it's a brave move to take a space in Crow Park, which is not cheap. A lot of these guys who attended were coming from Cork, all over Ireland. And you, you could uh, contest that the, what is it, the third week in, in January isn't really a busy week and therefore they can afford the downtime. I would argue that because it's not busy, they would probably be better off spending time prospecting and all sorts of stuff. But they came to this event, but I don't know, I'm not gonna give you the numbers, it was really well attended. Um, I think they sent out maybe, they got about 75% conversion rate on, on the, the stuff that they, they, they sent out. And people came and were engaged and um, walked away with a lot, of, a lot of energy. There was a real sort of buzz around the place. There was a really good um, engagement from staff to these customers. And some of them stayed around for an extra hour and a half, maybe two hours. And I think the point that, that I noticed I'm trying to come to now is the fact that 
all of these events were kind of uh, dismissed by people as being ineffective. I might have been one of those people who said that these events were ineffective um, in the past. Pe people are busy um, and have normally reasons not to attend or reasons to send somebody else of a, a lesser level of importance within their company to attend. But this event was attended by real decision makers, real influencers, and people who genuinely got on with each other. And that might boil it down to a number of things, but if you're not bringing anything of value at all to an event like that, you kind of get what you deserve. And in this instance, the company reached outside of themselves to get value and bring it in, which is an interesting way of engaging with customers to spend your time talking less about yourself and less about your product and your business and talking more um, about things that you know have meaning and will resonate with those customers, which is a very, very empathetic and emotionally intelligent way of reaching out, um, <clears throat> which I thought was uh, brilliant. And um, I said as much to the guys that organized it, I thought it was a very slick operation. It was very, very um, brilliant venue for play to the guys at Crow Park for turn in some of their spaces that are normally um, devoted to corporate hospitality into some really good exhibition space. And um, yeah, so there was that. Uh, one of the other things that I'd, I wanted to talk about, um, which is probably going to get a couple of episodes, um, over the last couple of years, I have been very fortunate to interview uh, Damien Hughes, who's a professor in sports psychology and, and um, has written loads of books. He's, he's uh, written a book on Barcelona, Manchester United, Alex Ferguson, and he's all about kind of improving performance. I signed up to a course by Michael Gervais, who's the sports psychologist who works with Pete Carroll at the Seattle Seahawks. I've been following Michael Gervais now for, um, I've got eight, seven years maybe on Twitter. He's, his podcasts are amazing. He's really easy on the ear very, very uh, deep thinker, brings on some amazing guests. That's where I got introduced to Rich Roll and uh, Angela Duckworth and Carl Dweck and people like that. Um, he's he's really, really good. I think the Seahawks didn't have such a good finish to their season in the NFL this year, but um, I'm sure they'll come back kicking and screaming next year. Um, but the thing that has been coming more and more obvious in some of the coaching that I'm doing is this striving for high performance and um, a lot of the time I'm working with salespeople who um, I use sporting analogies sort of flat out. Um, some of the examples that I would use uh, courtesy of Damien would be uh, the Barca way and talking about how Pep Guardiola transformed Barcelona in a 10-year period where they were arguably the best soccer team in the world and how they did that. The other kind of sporting references would be very lazy to say the All Blacks, but the All Blacks evidently had, were doing something right, uh, which was uh, reflected in the book Legacy, and there are a few other books as well, and I've just bought Pete Carroll's book, um, which I'm really interested in as a consequence of tuning into Michael Gervais. <clears throat> but there's always these comparisons between high-performing athletes and high-performing business people, or at least for the purposes of this conversation, high-performing salespeople. And it kind of dawned on me during the week that the comparisons, you know, in terms of mindset and focus and attitude and 
passion and desire and marginal gains and uh, will and skill and all that sort of stuff's great. Um, but there's some things that salespeople and high-performing salespeople, they don't share with high-performing athletes. And that would be, for example, um, if a high-performing salesperson is high-performing, then he's working, he or she's working six, six days a week, five days a week, selling all the time, and very, very seldom do they enjoy periods of sustained training. Whereas high-performing athletes enjoy periods of sustained training. In fact, they go season on season on season, training um, with periodization, taking into account uh, events that maybe in three or four years' time, like the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games or uh, All-Ireland Finals or Rugby Six Nations, whatever it is. So there's a degree of periodization and they bulk up and they increase frequency of training to hit a certain peak, whereas the salesperson is just working flat out. Um, and I think that's one of the things that that I kind of note as a, as a key differentiator between the two. And a lot of times that I've gone into um, a lot of these um, companies and we're talking about high-performance sales and all that sort of stuff, um, high-performance sales and all that sort of stuff is kind of, I'm not going to try and make it vague. As I said, I want to make a couple of other podcasts on this and I would probably like to speak to all the people. Hoping to get Damien back on again, but I'd like to reach out to some other people in, in, in Ireland who um, maybe share the same kind of view as Damien, uh, but more on that, that later. Um, but it's like you're asking guys to go out and dictate, spend hours and hours and hours on the sports field or in the gym getting completely physically ready and they get physically ready and mentally ready whereas in the corporate environment it's only necessarily getting a focus on all the skills and attributes that makes them better at selling but they're the same uh, energy requirements um, recovery is another key area um, athletes get loads of recovery I think what I'm trying to say there is that athletes who don't recover properly uh, tend not to perform at the highest level. And you've got prehab and rehab and you've got periodization, as I mentioned, and all that good stuff. But that's not really factored into the life of a high-performing salesperson, either from the salesperson, from the manager, from the coach, from the business. Salesperson who's working really hard during the week, goes home at the weekend, carries a lot of burden through those two days and back into work on the Monday and it's important that there is space for recovery and I can't find that out just over the weekend reading some things that started to make sense about what that really looks like and how that can be applied to to sales it's a stressful job you do need to have recovery but if you're going to talk about teams as high performance and use the examples of other football teams then it's important that that's factored in I love the I love reading books like Parsa and Legacy, but really, and I've said this before, maybe in a couple of podcasts back, that Legacy wasn't written for Dungannon thirds. It was written for the All Blacks who were um, operating at the highest possible level of performance, uh, taking all factors into consideration. They were scoring ten out of ten across all people, across luck factors, across everything. Same with Barcelona. Uh, the Barca way couldn't be called the Murtown Reserves way. You know, you got to find your own way, I guess. 
Um, but it's just interesting considerations and um, the Muirtown Reserves analogy will probably fall on quite a few people. So I'm going to stop now, but I'm going to come back to that um, because I think it's really important that you loosely talk about high-performing teams. So what does that look like mentally, physically, attitudinally, always? And um, I'm going to do a bit of digging into that and hopefully have a more uh, structured attempt uh, attempt at a more structured podcast the next time I come back so thanks for listening and um, yeah I'll come back to you soon if you want to tune in to any other um, of my blogs or other podcasts uh, shift-control.co.uk will get you to the website I'm on LinkedIn I'm on Instagram but as I said before uh, that's a personal thing I'm not on any other social media channels um, but my website will give you a link to the uh, podcasts which are also on SoundCloud and on iTunes so uh, yeah thank you and I'll talk to you later